fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We do that. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, great to be here. I'm very excited that we're finally doing, perhaps, my favorite Marvel character um, in, in the MCU universe. My favorite Marvel character is Spider-Man, so I almost made a mistake there. But my, and he is in the MCU. You know, I know that's confusing to everyone out there, but I separate Spider Man into his own universe. So that's why I'm able to say my favorite MCU character. Am I allowed to do that, Dan? You're allowed to do that because somewhere, somehow, there's a variant of you who nailed that intro and said Spider Man instead of Loki. So don't worry. We're going to try to capture that variant. We're going to bring him here. We're going to redo this with that person and get you to the end of time, if that's all right, Dan. And because this physics phenom is clearly one of the bad variants, but I know someone who is not a bad variant, and that is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, where, when are you broadcasting from this week? Well, when's a little confusing, but, you know, I'm in a precarious situation today, Dan. I'm here on the doomed planet of Lamentis. Uh, they're preparing this beautiful rocket to, uh, behind me to launch here uh, to hopefully save some people from the planet before it's destroyed by this uh, moon that's crashing into it. Well, not to sound like a total nerd, but I think when you are is 2052, if I remember correctly. So I think we've got it. We've got your location and your time, which is very important because we need to evacuate you from that planet as soon as possible. But hopefully we'll fit the show in before that time, before it becomes too dire there. Uh, you know, this is we're talking about Loki. And I got to tell you guys, I love time travel. I love time. And this show really nails it. And there's a couple of things that happened in this episode that made me think of you guys and also made me think of myself, which is very fitting for Loki. There's this one moment where Mobius takes Loki and they look out on this gigantic, technologically built city. And Loki says, I thought there was no I thought there is no magic here. And Mobius says, there isn't. And I couldn't help but think of our show, how we bring technology, how we take the magic of technology and explain it in scientific terms, because technology is truly magical. Magic is in actuality really science. Uh, this is great two-sided coin. And before I go too far with this analogy, I want to get your appreciation of it, Denon. Well, certainly, I mean, I believe science is magical. And the best magic in the world is really scientific. So I think you nailed it there, Dan. Um, you know, it's interesting. I would disagree slightly with Mobius because of that, right? There is plenty of magic. The technology all around is quite magical. Um, and so I think, you know, Mobius is maybe feeling a little jaded at this point in his life, and he needs some magic back in it. And Loki brings that magic back in, and we see that as the show evolves. So I'm, I'm feeling hopeful for uh, Mobius because we know he gets the magic back as the show goes on. Well, that's true. I mean, it's that Harry Potter type magic, but I know what you mean, Denon. Um, ben, you are no stranger to magic, and you're definitely no stranger to technology. What do you think about this tech city? Uh, I thought it was beautiful. I love seeing that view out of the window of all the uh, different, I guess, offices or pods or apartments that were going on there. In, and it just makes you understand how big a job it is to maintain the sacred timeline. It was really fascinating to think about how many people there are out there protecting our uh, protecting us from the variants? It was very reassuring. <laughs> I love that both of you take such an optimistic view of this. We learn later on that that view 
possibly is uh, a little foolish. But we're going to get to that in a second. But I want to say one more quote from this show that I really loved, and I think you guys will appreciate that, is as I watched this, I realized how much I actually really like Loki. I mean, his pendulum swings way to the dark side, but he's got a couple of fun things that, that I kind of resonate with. One in particular is where Mobius and Loki are sitting at a table, and obviously they don't trust each other. And Loki says, I know you don't trust me, but you can trust one thing. I love being right. And I couldn't help but think that that is exactly how I feel about most things. And I think I bat pretty well. I think I bat at least, you know, I'm probably batting at least 40% of 400, as they would say in baseball, which will get you into the Hall of Fame, if there is a Hall of Fame for analytical, masterful analysis. Denon, what do you think about this quote? Do you love, you don't seem like a guy who loves being right, but you feel like a guy who is right most of the time. Uh, What do you think about Loki? What do you think about his attitude? And how does that affect how he views? Time. Well, well. first of all, Dan, I, I think you undersell. As an analytical mastermind, I would have put you at at least 60 or 70%. You're, you're hitting it out of the park well into the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, please, Thank please, you, Thank don't you. undersell. Thank you. um, you're, right. have, you're exactly right, Dan, and that's, one, that's a win for you. That's a hit for you. And, and I actually love being right. I'm one of the most competitive people in the world. <laughs> I just hide it really well. Um, I, I could argue a point to death um, if need be. Even when I'm wrong, I will admit it never. Um, long after the argument is done, I'm still making points. So I, I, I actually really, really resonated with Loki there and realized that, you know, time travel can help with that because when you feel like you've lost an argument, nothing like looping back in time and starting it over and being right both times. I, I don't know, Ben, is, is this something, you know, you're a calmer person, I think, than Dan, and I feel that. So maybe the desire to be right isn't as, you know, emotional for you. Maybe it's more a logical thing. Well, it, for me, it's less the desire to be right and more the desire to be correct. You know, I hate I hate <laughs> saying things that are wrong. Irrelevant, you know, Ben. Irrelevant, Ben. <laughs> you know, as an engineer, it's very important to me that, you know, we get the right calculations and we don't mess up and cause things to blow up. And so, you know, that's really my divining uh, role is don't make things blow up. That That's really what I strive for. Well, I, I'm on board with that, especially when it comes to this show. I'd rather you not make anything blow up. So let, let's let's keep, stay the course, Ben. Let's stay the course. Uh, but I like what you said, getting it correct, right? That's very important. And I think that there's no other show, there's no other topic that we've covered where it is more important to get this right. Because we're talking about time travel, talking about timelines, manipulating time, pruning, destroying, disintegrating, however you want to describe it. We're doing a lot with time in this episode. And I think in order to understand this episode, not only of Gadgets and Gizmos, but also of Loki, the show as an entirety, we have to have a fundamental basis of what's going on here as far as time as a construct. What does this mean? It can get very chaotic, very confusing. So we need someone to lay that groundwork. And Denon, I think you're the man for the job. What do you think's going on here? Can you help us out? Oh, Dan, so, so much. I'm so excited by this. I may have messed up the introduction, but this is my bread and butter here. And, you know, on the theme of being right, they get it right in this show. It is really cool. And the way to understand it is to break it into three key pieces. Um, He who remains gives us the first piece. The world is originally the classic quantum many worlds universe. Every time you make a decision, decide to go left, decide to go right, you get a new branch. Very quickly, you have the multiverse and he who remains discovered how to travel between them, locked it all down and you get part two, the sacred timeline, the one timeline that he wants to rule and control that he exists in. And then the third piece is the TVA itself. 
living in its own pocket dimension. That's kind of a little new. That's some interesting physics. But we've talked about the many worlds and pocket dimensions a lot on our show. And those three pieces really come together for us here. Well, so I'm going to be a little on the fence here, Denon. You guys know how I feel about multiverses. We, you know, I made those feelings very clear when we talked about our Spider-Verse episode. But also we did, you know, a Quantum Worlds Rick and Morty episode, which you know what? You guys know I love. So I can go either way on this. So you got to sell me on this. Denon, you got you to sell me on the multiverse here. Well, this is really the Rick and Morty multi-worlds many universe situation, Dan. So I think you're okay. I think you're sold because I know you're a Rick and Morty fan. Basically, it's your classic many worlds situation. As I said, you make a decision, you get two worlds branching off. Um, Their size is related to their probability. He who remains the trick here, he figures out how to travel between them. That really would be a cool trick. We don't know how to do that in physics right now. That leads to the war. He wins and he brings it down all to a single quantum space time, the sacred timeline. Okay, so we've got quantum worlds here. We got variants. You know, as we're making these branches, we're making different versions. Now, Ben, I know that as a hobby, I happen to know this, that you love creating quantum variants of yourself. So is this hobby dangerous? What are you doing? And have you practiced this today of, of all days? Well, not, not today specifically, because I have yet to put shoes on. But I do wonder, Denon, do I need to be nervous? Am I making myself a quantum variant every time I'd say you know, d- decide whether to tie my right shoe first or my left shoe first? Are these decisions leading to all these variants? Well, you know, under the normal multiverse, yes, Ben, because there's no control. They each have a certain probability, and the size of that multi-universe goes with that probability. But he who remains is doing, I think, two things here. One is he's suppressing what I would call the everyday variant. So he's suppressing your shoe-tying variant and creating just the single timeline on his own. However, we know variants are getting through. Right. And those variants have to be controlled in some way. They're happening because the sacred timeline is basically this loop. We see that it's a torus. Um, they visualize that for us very well in one of the last episodes. It's got a beginning and end that are close to each other with a singularity there. So the, the time is constantly being created and flowing like a river. And because it's a quantum space time, you're going to get those events. You're going to get those branches. And he needs to bring in the TVA to control them. So it's the flowing river in this torus shape that is key to making multiple variants here. Well, I love the idea of that there are common variants, and we're just going to get rid of those. They're not important. And there are elite variants. You know, So I don't know, Ben, maybe tying your left shoe versus your right shoe creates a common variant, and would they just get discarded immediately? The he who remains is not going to let that stand. So there is only one Ben. So <laughs> as of right now, you are Ben Prime, and that's what I appreciate. Then, and I'm not so sure about. But you know, I like what you, how you explain this, Denon. First of all, a torus is one of my favorite shapes. It's shaped like a donut, for those who are listening. It is easily one of the most delicious shapes out there, at least in the physics world. But also, one thing we have to talk about here is this idea of your life exists. You know, this is the block theory of time, that everything exists all at the same time. You've used this analogy on other shows, Denon, and that is the idea of a film strip. So your life exists as a film strip, and you can visit key moments, key frames in that film strip, independent of both the beginning and the outcome of that film. But this flowing concept, this kind of blew my mind a little bit as I was thinking about this. And the way I kind of visualize it is you have that film, you have that reel of film, and you put it on a projector. 
and it is going through that projector over and over again. That is the flow of time. And every time it goes through that projector, there is a small chance that it could break, uh, more dust gets on there, you know, more uh, hair, whatever, and it gets adjusted. And each one of those adjustments as it goes through the projector are creating these alternate timelines. Is that an accurate description, an accurate visual representation of what's going on here? I think it's perfect, Dan, and, and it leads right into he who remains controlling some of this, right? Without him, every piece of dust, every slight heat up is a new branching, and you get the multiverse. In his world, he's kind of keeping it a little clean, blowing some of the dust off, preventing some of the cracks, but he can't prevent everything. So the dust he can't prevent, the cracks he can't prevent, that's where the TVA comes in, fixes those up. Fixing cracks is like pruning branches. It's a great analogy. Well, I want to blow your guys' mind here. So, Denon, you need to hang on to your hat right now. Ben, you need to hang on to your shoes, even if you're not wearing them. Hang on to your feet, because this could blow you. Hang on to your socks. I'm going to blow your socks right off. So, as we watch this flow of time, as we watch this film go through the projector, it must be happening at a frequency, right? In order to produce these quantum worlds, it has to go through the projector to create the quantum world, which since there are many different branches, that you could, you could make the leap that it's going through many times. The frequency at which each individual time loop goes through that time stream has a frequency. We know that string theory is all about how particles have a frequency. So is it possible, Denon, I'm looking to you first on this one, is it possible that the very frequency at which your life travels around this, uh, this time stream has a correlation to the frequency of particles, meaning that there is a fundamental frequency of life that can be found if we just look in the right place or at the right frequency? You know, Dan, that is absolutely amazing. You did blow my mind. I think you nailed it. You know, basically, no one really understands string theory, so you're just as good as anyone else. I'll give you that. Yes, <laughs> I will take that. I'm good as anyone else. You heard it here first, and Denon's an expert. Continue, Denon. And so I think that's a cool idea, the idea that these frequencies are tied. That can certainly make sense. It would bring time, space, and particle vibrations all together. You've just unified string theory and space-time, Dan, <laughs> right here on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I love that. And, and I want to talk about this pruning idea because, Ben, I know you're a gardener. Everyone calls you Mr. Green Thumb. You know, everyone knows that. Um, so <laughs> this seems to be this pruning. These these quantum branches are like a tree. And in order to make a tree, you got to do it. You know, you got to prune it correctly. I like this organic view of, of timeline of the timeline. What do you think about this, Ben? Would you think you would be a good timeline pruner given your real world expertise? Uh, maybe, but I, I, I don't think I could handle dooming my pruned uh, plants to the uh, end of time where they're eaten by the horrible time monster. That seems a little rough for me. I, I think I'd rather uh, just, you know, turn them into compost here and uh, let them uh, live out their lives as fruit and nutrients for the next generation. But one thing I, I keep wondering about is, you know, if we, if we see this, the TVA being able to access all these timelines and all these uh, branches, why aren't they seeing all the branches happening simultaneously? Like they can see the whole timeline. So why is it that uh, things seem to happen at discrete moments uh, from the TVA's point of view? You know, great question, Ben. It really has to do with that final piece we mentioned, 
the pocket dimension they are in. Time really is, is sort of two things in physics. It's that which sequences the order of events we experience, but it's also the space-time we live in. By having their pocket dimension, they have their own space-time that sequences the events of their life. So as we follow Mobius and his elite team, we are seeing the branches he experiences in that local time. Now, those branches, as we look at the river flowing or the film strip that Dan mentioned, you know, those branches are happening at random points in our history, you know, in the future, from our perspective, in the past 1700 or 3052, whatever. And they're fixing a particular sequence of those. Now, there's, you, you mentioned it, Ben. The TVA is huge. So there really are parallel branches going on at all times. And all these teams are going out and pruning them. But time is constantly flowing. So as soon as you prune some, you get these new quantum branches. So you really have these two distinct timelines, the local TVA timeline and what's happening in the flowing sacred river of time. And that kind of brings it all together um, and brings us home in this journey. Well, you know, I grew up with Choose Your Own Adventure books. They're some of my favorite. You know, I did a whole episode of Fascinating Nouns with Joe Deaver, who wrote my favorite Choose Your Own Adventure series called The Lone Wolf series. And, you know, what I like about this is he who remains is almost creating his ideal pathway through the timeline. And the way that you would kind of choose your own adventure if you knew what every passage was, you could find the optimal path through that book. I like that as a visualization, but it also makes it the key point to that is, is he's able to manipulate space and time. And I think everything you just mentioned lays the groundwork for what we see in the show, which is really cool manipulation of space and time. And if you can control space time, you can control anything, I would argue. And you can slow someone down to 1 16th time as we see Loki gets slowed down by the TVA uh, as punishment. He also has this little, uh, it's called the time twister, which is like this little collar they put around his neck and they can send him back and forth both in space and in time. You know, when he's attacking someone, they, they zip him around. They also do it to other people as well. But this allows us to be able to manipulate time in a very interesting ways. What are the physics behind that, Denon? And then, Ben, I'm curious how you would use this to your advantage. Well, Dan, this really goes to that pocket dimension idea, right? They are able to create the pocket dimension of the TVA, and then within that, create little pocket dimensions themselves. So slowing someone down is basically putting them in a bubble of time that now moves at its own unique rate, which is really cool. Um, I love the twister, and there's a little math joke here in my mind. Mobius is named after the Mobius strip, which we know mm, is you right. not quite a torus. You take a strip, put a twist, and fold it over, and it now only has one side. And I think of these like time twister events ah. as putting you in a little Mobius strip loop. <laughs> so oh, I mean, I don't know if it really is, but I made that joke in my head every time it happened. So I had a lot of fun watching this show. <laughs> It's a time loop. I think that that's a great analogy of that. Yeah. Um, now, 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 Ben, how would you use this? If we're using this as a pocket dimension, you've got unique physics, you've got an ability to manipulate time as our evil engineer, as a possible uh, genocidal cyborg. How would you use this information um, to your end? Well, I think what's interesting about it is actually kind of how the TVA uses it, where they use it as a punishment, where you kind of have to relive your uh, your worst moment over and over again. I think... You know, we that that's actually in some ways an interesting way to maybe teach people about empathy or remorse is mm. by having them have to keep seeing uh, a mistake and how it has hurt somebody else over and over again. You know, a lot of people sometimes uh, lack empathy towards uh, uh, problems they've caused. And 
you know, I think that could help out hmm. society a lot uh, in much better ways than our current uh, reformation systems do. Well, I mean, there are definitely some extreme religions who make you uh, sit on, on something bad that you did over and over and over again until you get till you've been redeemed uh, in some respects. Uh, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it kind of works in this show, but I think that could easily be misused. Um, but I think you know what I love about all of this stuff is not only can we move things in space, space and time immediately, but there's also this a time tra- a, a traversing time. It's not really time travel. Um, well, I guess it is in a way. It's traversing time. It's walking around in time. And these time doors are key to that. Now, they seem to only go from from the TVA to a specific point in time and back. My immediate thought was like, this might be some kind of controlled wormhole. I don't know, but I like this idea that it only goes from the TVA to the timeline. I feel like that's very important to the show and very important to our theory. Uh, does it does it hold, Denon, that this is exactly what's going on here? Oh, I totally feel this is exactly what's going on. And it goes back to your idea of frequencies. It completes the picture. We basically have the ultimate unicycle, which we know if you put rockets on it is the best form of propulsion from our yeah. ACME episodes. Yeah, right? yes, that's so, exactly right. Confirmed. So, that's confirmed. Uh, confirmed, <laughs> right? So you got the TVA at the center as the hub of the circle. You've got the sacred timeline as this torus around it. And the spokes are these little wormholes. I think you're exactly right. Pocket dimensions, wormholes are just long, skinny pocket dimensions. And the door takes you from the hub to the, um, through one of these spokes out to the sacred timeline and back. And it really points out that you're not traveling in time so much as you're going back and forth. And for the Narnia experts in the world, this is like the wells on the world between the worlds, where in the original Narnia first events, you, you only travel to this one world, you jump in wells, and then you end up in the other world. So there's a deep connection here between, between this and one of my favorite books, the Narnia series. Well, I mean, I've never read the Narnia series. I've, I mean, I've seen The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So I can't confirm nor deny what you're saying. So I'm going to confirm it because I get to choose one. And I have another variant who's denying it. And I'd love to see what that episode is like. Um, but, you know, when, when they're traversing through time, they have this interesting point where they say, and it's kind of this back to the future idea that you, you can't go into the past and change and stop the thing from being changed because it's already been changed and is affecting the future in which you now live. I think that that's a very important point to this, and it it speaks to these branches. You know this this idea that you can't go out, you know, you can't go back after things have already been changed. Now I know that there's probably a little bit of abuse that could use that. We saw this in Back to the Future too. Uh, but Ben, what do you think about traversing the timeline and this idea that you can't go to a point in time where it's already been changed in order to change it back? Really. Well, that's one thing I really wonder about the TVA is because you, you see them, you know, if they're adjusting the timeline at random points, I don't understand why they couldn't go back necessarily. You know, they're not always going to future, you know, they're, they're not dealing with the branching events in order from what we can tell. You know, they're, some are in the medieval ages, some are a little bit in the future. Uh, they seem to be able to kind of go around at will. So I do wonder... Why is it that they uh, they can't go back? And I also wonder why can't they? Is there a technical reason you couldn't go to different places on the tours? It's not just like some engineering problem where the pads only have enough uh, juice to make two trips, and they got to go back to the TVA to charge it again, or enough plutonium rods to get to the <laughs> power of the DeLorean. <laughs> well, you know, actually. I think what we go back to here, Ben and Dan, is is the gardening example. 
Um, I'm a little disappointed in Ben. I'm very rarely disappointed in Ben. This is a rare moment. A little disappointed <laughs> because, look, if you're going to go, if your rosebush branches and the branch is not good, you don't go back and cut off the stem of the rosebush. That kills the whole rosebush. You prune, you know, at the point of the branching. And that's what you have to do here. These are true branches in that sense. Um, if you went back and tried to cut things out um, before the branch, you're just cutting the entire sacred timeline and killing everyone. Uh, so you've got to go to the branch and prune the branch itself, Dan. That's why we don't go back in time and create the branch from happening in the first place. But sometimes, then, in, in a video game, I'll go back a couple of safe points to fix an earlier mistake uh, because I've, I realize it's fund I made a fundamental error, you know, three saves ago, and that there's no way of saving it only one or two saves ago. Well, that is true. That's if your branches come close enough together, you can go back and get a later branch with an earlier branch. But that's only if your branches are really close in this particular situation. So yeah, but notice you were mentioning all branch points. You're always dealing with a save point, Ben. You're not dealing with the pre-save, non-save, save point. I see. Okay. Well, I would argue that a, a save point is not the same thing as a nexus event, I think is kind of what we're saying, right? So a nexus event where something changes, fundamentally changes the timeline at that point and is not really a save point, you can go back to that point, but you can't go back to three nexus points ago. Is that what you're saying, Dennis? Well, yes, unless they are really close and related to each other, right? If Got you it. go back, through, if they're connected and you solve the first nexus, you do eliminate the other two nexus points. But if they're unconnected with each other, you can't do that, right? And that's the other point. These branches are not all connected with each other. They're, some of them are unique nexus events. So that's why, that's why we see the nexus bomb, and we can talk about how that works. I think that really explains why you go to the nexus point. No, for sure. And I do want to mention, because that's the next thing I want to talk about. But, Ben, I think you're exactly right if we are living in a simulated universe, which some could argue that maybe <laughs> this whole Loki series is a simulated universe that happens and is not the real universe. That could be an interesting conversation. Um, but let's put that on hold. We're going to let our variants have that conversation. We are going to talk about <laughs> pruning. Uh, pruning is basically, you know, from what we can tell from the show, is it's just eliminating the entire space time, all the matter and energy of a particular either a person with a with a pruning wand or an entire timeline with a with a reset charge that resets the entire timeline it destroys everything this i mean this seems like you know complete overkill i would think uh, but maybe it's that total annihilation that is required to keep that timeline in order uh, it just seems crazy to me um, ben, I'm going to ask you first, since you're the one who uh, I always claim to be one of these crazy robots, is this something that seems justified, like your idea that a time loop um, of someone's wrongdoing over and over again will make them better and gain redemption? Or is this probably a little too much uh, and that we should maybe they should tailor it back a little bit? Well, it's an interesting thought because it seems like, uh, you know, he who remains job here is, you know, to maintain an exact single timeline. Uh, and prevent any branches. So one thing I wonder about this bomb is, you know, does it count as murder if you're killing the alternate branch, right? If you're destroying the entire universe um, constantly, which it seems is what the TVA is doing, uh, but you're destroying a copy, does that really count as a bad thing? I, I don't know. It's a little, it's a big ethical quandary. Uh, Den, do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> Well, I, I, I'll first deal, I'll get to the ethical quandary in a second. I'm going to deal with the physics first and then the ethics, because we always do physics first. We built the nuclear bomb, then we worried about the ethics, right? So <laughs> right. let's, let's right. maintain tradition, right? You know. So I think to answer your question, Dan, 
Um, if, if your goal is to eliminate branches, you have no choice. And this is where I love this show because the visuals are so perfect, right? You have the screen showing the branch growing and there's that line. If you cross the line, you can't get rid of the branch. And the thing to keep in mind, there is still the original sacred timeline. That's the core thing about this quantum many worlds. Both worlds are moving forward. We're just concerned about the variant world. So they jump to where the branch is and time and space are intimately connected. So as that branch grows, the space, the size of the variant world is getting bigger and bigger. And it's clear their charges can only reset a finite size. So if you go past that line, the reset charge won't work. So they're eliminating just that branch that's growing off the side. And that's key to understand. And they are eliminating all of it. Now, I'm kind of with Ben, but I'm going to go strongly. This is why I think he who remains had it all wrong. I think you attempt to let the multiverse form because killing the other versions of me is not something I want done. And then you figure out a way to live in peace with the multiverse and not have the war. That's the solution, not eliminating the multiverse to begin with. So I don't know, Dan, I know you hate multiverses. I'm not sure you know, what your ethical view of this is. Well, you make a strong argument there, but you know, to answer Ben's question directly, I think, yeah, if you're pruning all these other people, it is murder. If you kill a clone, I mean, that's still murder, right? I mean, whether you disintegrate them um, or you know, uh, any other grisly way to, to eliminate a human being, which we don't have to go into detail on this show, there are many ways to do it. You can find that on other shows. Uh, but yeah, D Ben, for sure, I think this is murder. Absolutely. Well, so I like your uh, worry about getting pruned here, Denon. Uh, but it, it, it's interesting that you're talking about how these charges ha have a finite size. I like that because they, they seem to expand very slowly. So it would probably take way too long for them to encompass the whole universe. I guess that's the whole the branch getting too big thing. So it sounds to me like as long as you just stay away from these uh, events, you're never going to get pruned. Uh, you just got to stay away from uh, random things happening, Denon. No, exactly. That would keep me safe. And But we just, as, as Dan said, I don't know how many variants there are. Am I a variant? I don't want to be pruned. You know, I feel like I'm not a variant, but would I know? I'm kind of in Loki space right now, Dan. I'm very confused by who I am. <laughs> Aren't we all, Denon? Aren't we all for sure? <laughs> it's easy to know, Denon, because you'll uh, end up at the end of time in front of a castle with a giant smoke monster. Oh, so. <laughs> you're right. That is a good sign as to who I am. Right. With, with, a, with a wombat version of yourself and possibly an old version and a young version and, uh, you know, all, the whole spectrum of people. Version. A crocodile version. Yeah. Um, well, I said wombat, but actually I think it's the, uh, what is it? It's Dickory Dickory Doc. What's the, uh, what's the guy that you like? Uh, the, um, oh, Ricky Tiki Tabby. Yes, a mongoose version yeah. of myself. Yep. Hickory yeah. Dickory Doc. That's an interesting <laughs> illusion there, Dan. But I'm close. glad you remembered. I was close. That was that, you know, that 0.25 that I missed. That's what that was one of those. That was one of the yeah. whips, the rare whips. You guys saw it here first. Uh, so, you know, one of the things uh, before we end, I got to ask one other question here because we're talking about the TVA. And there were a couple things about the TVA that I thought were really interesting that I think we had to talk about. Maybe we've covered it in parts, but I want to talk about it directly. And that, you know, we talk about how time passes differently and it also can be manipulated differently in the TVA in this pocket dimension. But we also see this very funny scene where uh, a drawer of what of an administrator, just a you know a, a guy at a desk, we open his drawer and he's got tons of infinity stones, including the time stone, which is its whole purpose is to con control uh, and adjust time. It seems to be useless in this area, and Loki's magic is dampened. This is also very interesting as well. Um, what is you know what are the physics of this, Denon? 
Well, you know, Dan, I really think people should go back and watch our WandaVision um, episode, and that'll explain it all. Because, um, you know, I don't have time to really completely explain the magical um, universe of the MCU in this episode, so they should watch that one. But I think your um, unification of string theory and um, quantum mechanics and particles in space-time really brings it together. It is all about frequencies and oscillations. And we know frequencies have resonances based on the size of the chamber they're in. And mm. I think the TVA pocket dimension is designed to suppress precisely the powerful sort of magical element of the standard sacred timeline space-time. So if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. You've got one is in the shape of a torus, which we did not learn until now, and the other is probably a pocket dimension of a sphere. And we know the vibrations and oscillations and fundamental frequencies of a sphere and a torus are going to be different. So it's just basic geometry, Dan, and that solves it all. Well, I love that. Now, Ben, knowing all of this, knowing the unique properties of the TVA, what would be something that you would use all of these unique physical properties to do in the multiverse? Uh, <laughs> well, I think I think the main thing is just uh, helping people, you know, make some better decisions. There's been a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe make some variants that uh, don't always do the best things in the world. And I, th I really think we just, uh, rather than creating a sacred timeline that uh, is what he who remains uh thinks is ideal i think you know we can make maybe make the most ethical timeline rather than just the the timeline that that's i think where i would go with this power spoken like a true benevolent dictator i love it ben that's what i've come <laughs> to expect from you uh i'm putting you in power but it won't matter because it's not a vote because you're going to be a dictator but i'm going to stand behind you 100 <laughs> so if that is an error <laughs> we've covered it already but if we have other errors additions and omissions this is the place for them uh Denon, did you have anything from loki that we did not talk about that you wanted to get to well, two things. Well, one, we actually snuck it in there, which is really great. I'm impressed, Dan. You made up your 2.25 whiff by bringing up um, Ricky Tiki Tavi. I am convinced if I went to the end of time, I'd meet the mongoose that variant that I created as a kid pretending to be a mongoose when I played. So we know that mongoose variant is out there somewhere. I just can't wait to meet him. And I do wonder, you know, it's really interesting. Um, it raises a, a, a cool fundamental question in this show. You know, is the variant really you? And I love mm -hmm. the conversations between Sylvie and Loki. You know, is Sylvie really Loki or not? Um, and, and those are just some interesting philosophical ones. You know, as the, the many worlds theory tells us, we're getting many versions of ourselves. Are they really all us or are they just different people? So th those are my two big ones. Well, I mean, I, I, that's a fundamental part of the show that I love, that Loki can only fall in love with himself. <laughs> that is that's so great. Uh, ben, is there anything from this show that we missed that you wanted to talk about? Well, I think the, I think the big one is a, a really basic tenet of rocket science, which is don't try to launch a rocket in a meteor storm. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know we, we see these, these folks on Lamantis uh, trying to escape on their arc. Uh, while the moon is actively crashing into the planet, you know, I think if, you know, they really should have been working on that, you know, maybe push the schedule up a day or two, you know, get out of that really bad time. Uh, and maybe they actually would have gotten off the planet then. <laughs> Spoken like a true rocket scientist. I didn't think about that, but that makes perfect sense. Or I guess go to the other side of the planet where the moon is not crashing into them. Um, I'm with you, Ben. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things here really quickly. Uh, this idea that Loki could stand trial for a crime he did not know he committed. Uh, that's terrible. I could not imagine what that would must have been like for him, you know, even as... as um, 
as unscrupulous as he's been throughout his life. Uh, I love the Fallout style 50s uh, posters that are around about always watching and a tidy timeline is a stable timeline. That is my favorite poster, uh, which may show up in my, my, my room someday if I can find one of those. Uh, I love the analog technology, and episode five is filled with Easter eggs. My favorite, which I had to look up, I didn't, I didn't know this by watching, but that battleship that appears um, in, you know, in the in the void at the end of time is actually from the Philadelphia experiment, which is just a great story, uh, untrue, um, you know, myth folklore uh, about science and teleportation. But I love that they brought the Philadelphia experience there, and of course, I love the old Loki because when I was growing up, that was the only Loki you could get was that old style Loki. Uh, so we have a question from the audience today, guys. Now, this is this is a fun one. It's multi-part. So let me run through it here and let's see if we can get some of these questions in order. This one comes from Holly C through our Facebook page. Uh, so she says, in some of your promo videos, there seems to be quite a disparity between Dan and Dennett. Isn't that the truth, right, Denon? Uh, <laughs> is Dan a Titan or is Denon a dwarf? I do remember enough college physics to realize some of the disparity is perspective since Denon is always behind Dan a bit. Anyway, looking forward to catching up on your podcast. You guys make me smile. Uh, oh, and after you answer my Titan dwarf question, I'd love to hear your input on a question from the movie The Replacements. Uh, the premise is that a coach picks washed up players with certain skill sets to cross a picket line. I wonder about the differences between kicking a soccer ball and a football from a scientific perspective. Now, I've never seen the replacement, so I'm guessing this coach must pick soccer players, uh, football for our international listeners to play American football. Uh, so that I think that's what's going on in the replacements. I'm not sure. And then you guys make me laugh. As a matter of fact, I almost spewed a mouthful of Dr. Pepper last night watching Keep Up the Good Work. Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but my hallmark of a great show is whether or not someone has spit some liquid through their nose, preferably carbonated. So it sounds like we nailed this one. So let's talk about these one-on-one. Denon, I'm going to ask you first, am I a titan? Are you a dwarf? Uh, or is it reversed? And can you make an axe? Uh, and do you live in the Lonely Mountain, I should say? Well, unfortunately, I, w I wish I did live in the Lonely Mountains and I could make an axe like that. I've, I've often thought about, you know, being a blacksmith and apparently those genes generated into my daughter who really wants to be a blacksmith as well. Um, <laughs> feels she was born too late in, in, in time. Her uh -huh. ideal dream would be to run a, a you know, an inn um, off a, 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 you know, on the road between two villages where she also was the blacksmith. Um, wow. But, you know, it, it is an interesting question, Dan. You know, people, we have to be a little careful, I think, of our secret identities if they're starting to suspect mm -hmm. um, that you are a titan and a dwarf. They did not quite get it right, but, you know, we don't want to reveal those non-human aspects of us too early before we have uh, achieved world domination. So um, I know everyone's suspecting Ben's a robot, so that's already out. Um, I, and I'll keep secret our, our, our dwarf titan nature. Well, you know, I know Thanos was the mad titan. Sometimes I ruled this show like uh, a mad, you know, with the, the iron, the, the infinity gauntlet type grip on this show. But I wouldn't call myself a titan nor mad. Uh, but Ben, I'm going to ask you, since you have the third party perspective here, what do you think about this? Uh, well, Denon is a very crafty person. And so I could definitely imagine him being a, you know, blacksmith type dwarf, you know, making all sorts of magical weapons that are well rooted in physics and would actually work. Uh, so, you know, I think you might be onto something, but again, I, I can't give it all away. Uh, all right, let's grab this second question because this one, I don't know anything about the replacements, soccer players kicking a spherical soccer ball versus kicking, um, I don't even know what kind of shape, a football shaped, you know, kind of like a fat Ellipsoid. cone. 
Ellipsoid. Yeah, ellipsoid. yeah, ellipsoid. Of course it's ellipsoid. As you mentioned earlier, Denon, geometry solves all. Uh, what are the physics behind this? You know, basically the physics of the kick is the same. Um, so, you know, I actually have seen many soccer players become very successful um, football kickers. The flight of the ball is, of course, different. So the end result, you know, how far it can go. Um, the football, if you can get a spiral on the kick, it stabilizes it a lot. Um, but soccer players are very good at, uh, you know, hitting the soccer ball in different spots on the ball to get the spin they want. Um, they would know how to strike that football just right um, um, to get the spin and trajectory they need. So I think it carries over. Like I said, the flight is different. That's where the physics comes in. The kicking, basically the same. So, Ben, we've seen a lot of things online about engineers who can create, you know, someone who would shoot the perfect shot in basketball every single time. Do you think you could engineer a device that could both kick a football and a football the same way every single time? Uh, is that possible? Uh, absolutely. To some degree, yes. Uh, th the biggest issue is not so much the repetitive kicking, but the repetitive, uh, the repeatability of the ball itself, you know, mm. the 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 tolerances on balls when it comes to uh, inflation and the stitching being exactly correct and the thickness of the materials being exactly the same, you know, that's really where it gets tricky. And not to mention, you know, is it sitting on the grass exactly the same every time? Is it, you know, angled exactly the same way every time? You know, are all the panels in exactly the same spot? You know, that's the real trick to getting the consistent kick is being able to adjust for those minute differences in how the ball is lying and the ball's physics itself. Well, I love that. There's an answer to your question. That is possibly the most in-depth we've ever gone. I love it. We should go as in-depth on every other question that you guys send us. And if you want to send us a message, we are easy to get a hold of. You can send a question uh, to our social media. You can find the show on Twitter at FGGGBTPod, on Facebook at FGGGBTPod. But let's say you want one of our unique perspectives and you want to ask members of the Brain Trust individually, you can find us. Denon, where can people find you? Well, people can find me on both Twitter and Instagram. You just flip my name. That's at Denon Michael. And then you find me on Facebook. You stick in a prof. It's at Prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And you can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And if you want to send us an email, you can send that to questions at ftriplegbt.com. And when you're listening to us on your favorite podcast service, make sure you're subscribed and always rate and review. And if you're watching us on YouTube, leave a comment down below so we can hear your thoughts and like and subscribe as well. And finally, if you're listening to this show, you've learned how to manipulate time, that it is possible, that it is plausible, and that it is right at your fingertips. But do you want to use this information properly, responsibly? Remember, as I always say, you want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? 
We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.